Great, great to see you all. My name's Dave. I'm a, uh, I'm actually a deacon here. I was explaining to someone what a deacon does, and uh, I don't know, that is impressive, maybe or not. But um, but I, uh, so I kind of preach. I seem to preach here every August, actually. And uh, for me, there's like, it seems like I'm looking out, and for me, there's quite a lot of people here because normally, it always used to be the case that there's kind of huddling all around in August, and they'd be like, oh, you know, wheel mance out for August. There's only so much harm he can do. And now it's actually getting to be quite a few people in August. So I don't know, Steph might have to rethink. Um, so we've been, for, for those of you that are guests, you might know, but we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount for the last couple of months or so. And um, it's pretty um, extraordinary timing that just as, you know, London's in, had the riots, you know, the very next sermon that week was, um, was to turn the other cheek. And then this week, uh, the, the, the passage we're looking at is, is, is to love your enemies. And you've just got to love God's timing sometimes. I was, um, on Tuesday night, I was extremely depressed about this talk. I was just, sometimes, like, my wife really has to put up with a lot when I'm preparing for a sermon, because I get all, like, all angsty about it, and I'm like, oh, it's rubbish, it's going to be, and I get quite freaked out about the whole thing, and, and, and Tuesday night, I was kind of really, I was just looking, I was thinking, oh, it's just a bunch of dry observations, like, there's nothing there, God, there's no feeling in it, there's no kind of, and I was really praying and praying and praying, God, you know, help me understand what it is to love your enemies, what it means, so I go into work on Wednesday morning, got fired, <laughs> that's meant to be funny, it's funny, it's funny, it's okay, <laughs> but uh, so I'm freelance, it's kind of not a, uh, it's not that big a deal to get fired, I just, uh, you know, so I've got work, it's okay, I've got work for next week, it's fine, um, but it was just kind of, um, but, you know, so I come home from work and I'm, and I'm like, you know, those guys, I can't believe those guys. And, uh, and of course, I realize, okay, you've kind of, you've, you've got me here, God. You know, you've got me, you've got my attention now. I know what it is. And, and so I spent the week kind of enjoying feeling love towards those that had kind of stitched me up. And uh, so I hope, that, um, I hope that something of that kind of comes across in this talk, just that God has kind of, uh, dealt with me a little bit on this subject. Um, so, uh, if you want to turn your Bibles, we're in uh, Matthew. Uh, so, the Bible's basically in two halves, and the second half is the New Testament, and Matthew's the first book of that, and we're in chapter 5. Uh, and if you go kind of right to the end of that, of chapter 5, uh, that's where we'll start from verse 43. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be up on the screen for you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that your word is sharp and it, 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 it splits to the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. I thank you that your word is, is God-breathed. Every bit of it is, is, is useful for teaching 
correcting, rebuking, training, and righteousness. I thank you for your amazing word. I pray that this amazing, challenging word today, I pray that by your spirit you would do something. I pray that you would really make this word really cut us to the quick, help us understand what it means. I pray for uh, my, my brothers and sisters here. I pray just soften their hearts, Holy Spirit. Let them uh, be open. Pray keep them awake in the, in the, in the heat. Help them, Lord. Help us all, I pray, by your spirit to, uh, to make this something that is, that is uh, glorifying to you. In Jesus' name. All right, so, um, so the last few talks, especially, we've been looking at these kind of, uh, the last five talks of, uh, where Jesus has gone, kind of, you've heard it said this, but now I say this. So you've heard it said, uh, don't. Don't murder. I say don't even get angry. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say don't even look at a woman lustfully. And, and Jesus is kind of, it's almost like he's kind of ratcheting up the, the, the pressure, the core, what it means. Because he's saying it's not, about, it's not about just your external actions. It's about your heart and, and, and what's going on in your heart. And, uh, 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 and we get to this point where at the end of chapter 5 now, and it feels like a real climax because it's he said all these things, and the very last one, love your enemies. You're called to love your enemies. And I just think, you just think, oh my God, how is this possible? How can we do this? Uh, at times it seems kind of crazy. Other times it seems a foolish thing to do. It seems an impossible thing to do. And yet Jesus is very clearly saying that that's what, that's what the Lord's been getting at, and that's what, that's what he's calling us to. And um, I've got these kind of four stories uh, that kind of pepper the talk a little bit, just to give us a flavour of, of of how what it looks like when when we love our enemies. And um, before we get into that, I just want to kind of start off with this uh, very first verse, and just kind of because I know some of you are extremely sharp, you're on the ball biblically, and uh, you might be thinking, okay, so you've heard it said you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. Well, where does it say that in the Old Testament law? And the answer is it doesn't. It says you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And um, and as we found in, in, in the last few weeks, there have been instances where the, the Pharisees were kind of saying, um, look, this law is kind of impossible. Love your neighbors yourself. That's pretty hard. So let's, let's, let's twist it. Let's distort it a little bit and make it so it's actually going to be possible with our actions. And, um, and so in this case, they'd basically done a kind of cut and paste job. And they'd, they'd got the kind of, um, yeah, you shall love your neighbor. So that means yeah, the Jews and and then they and and then they'd kind of got some stuff to back up, and you shall hate your enemies, the non-Jews, and um and they, and they just kind of missed out a whole massive swathes of Old Testament law which could which could command us to love the foreigner actually, and um and so uh, and so Jesus at this point is going no you got it wrong, it, you've got to you've got to get into what it really means, and, and later on he, he explains that uh, the, through the power of the Good Samaritan that actually our neighbor is everyone, people from all nations, all races, and, um, and Jesus bringing that call in a very real way and saying, no, you've got to get to the heart of it. You've got to sort out your hearts and, and, and really love people as yourself. And um, so I'm going to start off with this story to kind of give us a feeling of, of, of what it looks like to love your enemy. And uh, this story comes from South Africa. It's from a, a Philip Yancey book. And um, when, when Nelson Mandela came to, um, came to power after 27 years in prison, he set up something called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And uh, his plan was to, to diffuse the natural pattern of revenge that he'd seen in so many countries. So when an oppressed people then comes to power, their natural reaction is to oppress 
uh, those that, that hurt them. And he said, no, what we're going to do is um, set up this commission. And for the next two and a half years, South Africans listened to reports of atrocities coming out of these hearings. And the rules were simple. If a white policeman or army officer voluntarily faced his accusers, confessed his crimes, and fully acknowledged his guilt, he could not be tried and punished for that crime. Hardliners grumbled about the obvious injustice of letting criminals go free, but Mandela insisted that the country needed healing even more than it needed justice. At one hearing, a policeman named Van der Broek recounted an incident when he and other officers shot an 18-year-old boy and burned the body, turning it on the fire like a piece of barbecue meat in order to destroy the evidence. Eight years later on, Van der Broek returned to the same house and seized the boy's father. The mother was forced to watch as a policeman bound her husband on a wood pile, poured gasoline over his body and ignited it. The courtroom grew hushed as the elderly woman, who had lost first her son and then her husband, was given a chance to respond. What do you want from Mr. Van der Broek? The judge asked. She says she wanted Van der Broek to go to the place where they had burned her husband's body and gather up the dust so she could give him a decent burial. His head down, the policeman nodded agreement. Then she added a further request. Mr. Van der Broek, to call my family away from me, and I still have a lot of love to give. Twice a month, I would like for him to come to the ghetto and spend the day with me so I can be a mother to him. And I would like Mr. Van der Broek to know that he is forgiven by God and that I forgive him too. I would like to embrace him so that he can know my forgiveness is real. I wonder how we would respond if we were in her position. I certainly wonder how I would respond. Um, I want to ask you, how did you, if we want to bring up the next slide actually, how did you respond to this? So uh, a lot of you might know this scene. This is where um, a Malaysian student who'd been in the country ba barely a month, uh, during the riots he was, um, he was uh, hit in the face, they stole his bike, dislocated his jaw, and he was lying on the floor concussed, bleeding, and uh, some guys came over to him, kind of pretended to help him, and then while they were pretending to help him, helped themselves to uh, the contents of his rucksack, nicked his PlayStation. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I watched this scene, I was really, um, really appalled, really sickened. And really, the whole, uh, everything that happened uh, during the riots, I, actually, you can probably better just put it down for a minute, um, turn, turn the thingy off. But um, during the um, riots, I found, yeah, a lot of the time, I was really kind of uh, upset by the violence and the, the kind of cruelty, the cold-heartedness. But I was just as um, just as shocked, really, by the the self-righteousness that I heard coming out of um, you know the office where I worked that I saw on Facebook. And um, that's no exaggeration. I really was kind of a bit appalled at the the way that um, people were talking because they were. It seemed like everyone was was looking down at these people that were causing it and saying, "Look at." Look at them. They're disgusting. They're scum. And, um, and I, I, I want to suggest that we're actually no better than, than those people. And um, you might be uh, seriously disagreeing with me at this point. But um, you might be sort of saying, well, I'd never rob anyone. Um, that may be true, but I wonder if, if, you'd, if you'd lived their lives if you, and if you were in their position, in their shoes in that very moment, uh, can you really be utterly sure that you wouldn't have uh, done the same thing? Or um, what about if, if we managed to catch on camera your, your most uh, 
your most hideous moments? What if someone had caught on camera just like that, you at your most hateful, your most selfish, your most angry, whatever it is, and what if they'd um, kind of stuck that on Sky News, running 24 hours a day, or up on YouTube where people can kind of rack up the views? Um, I do just wonder... Um, I do just wonder whether we're really any different from these people. You know, there's, we're, we're, we're all, the Bible says we're all guilty of sin, we're all guilty of selfishness and, and hate. Um, there's only one person who ever uh, lived the perfect life on the earth, the Bible tells us. His name is Jesus. And he, what, what was his reaction when he came down to earth? What was his uh, response when he was uh, faced with hatred of his enemies? He cried out, Lord, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. And... Um, John Stott says that uh, really the tense that that's written in is, uh, suggests that it was a refrain which Jesus was saying kind of over and over. So as, uh, as he was going through um, torture, as he's going through crucifixion, as they were um, pulling out the beard, pulling out his beard, he, he, was, he, was, he was praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As, uh, as, as, as he was being whipped, he, he prayed, Father, forgive them. As, as, as those inch-long thorns were driven into his skull. He's crying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even as he's um, being put on the cross, going through excruciating pain, that is his response. He was, he's the only one who could ever, could ever look down on us. He's the only one who, who's utterly perfect and could come and say, uh, uh, and say you, you're disgusting. Your, 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 your crimes are awful. And yet he, he's the only one who... Uh, in, in perfect love, he says, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. That is his response. What a saviour. What a Lord he is. I want to ask you today, um, who is your enemy? The Bible's really clear that we all have enemies, or at least we all should have enemies. Um, the Bible says that we are uh, either enemies of God or we're enemies of the world. So first of all, if you are um, an enemy of God, what does that mean? So if you're not a Christian, if you don't love God, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't believe uh, in him, the Bible says that you're an enemy of God. It might sound, oh, you might think, oh, Dave, that's so it's a bit harsh. I'm not, an en- I'm not anyone's enemy. I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not out to get anyone. I'm just, um, I'm just going through my life. I'm just bumbling along. And, and, uh, but let me put it to you like this. What if... Um, what if you treated God the way that you treat, what if you treated a person the way that you treat God? So what if a person gave to you everything, gave you your body, gave you life, gave you family and friends, gave you all your material possessions, um, uh, and you, rather than saying, you know, thank you, being so incredibly grateful for these amazing gifts, you, you, you didn't only not say thank you, but you, but you actually just completely didn't acknowledge God for what he'd done for you. Or what if, what if you treated a person who, who was so desperate to know you, so desperate to redeem you and, and save you from eternity without God, eternity in hell, that, that he um, came down to earth and, 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 and suffered crucifixion for you. And your response, rather than saying, oh, gratefully, thank you, God, being so amazed at his uh, grace and love, you, you didn't even acknowledge him. In fact, you rejected that offer. That's what the Bible says, but the Bible means when it says we're enemies of God. And um, the, the beautiful truth is that we don't have to remain that way. The beautiful truth is that we're offered friendship with God, and it's, it's an offer that's open to us all today. 
And um, later on, I'm going to explain to you how you can receive that gift of, of friendship with God, how you can uh, receive his hand of friendship and know him. But first, I want to talk to you Christians. Because scripture says that you are an enemy of the world. Jesus in John 15 said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates me. So scripture says that we should be hated. We should be hated. And um, I think, in fact, I look at you guys and... You look very uh, cool. So there's a lot of you guys are very cool looking, a lot of cool. I mean, I'm very cool. Those of you who know me, you know I'm extremely cool. It's something that I, you know, it's just a cross I have to bear, I suppose. Um, but there's a danger, I think, that we're, we're so keen to, to be kind of relevant to people and, so, um, uh, and to kind of make, make people see that uh, even though we're Christians, we're kind of normal. Um, that there's a danger sometimes that we can... Uh, be a bit too cool, and uh, we can kind of emphasize the things uh, about following Christ that, uh, that, are, that are popular. So um, what can end up happening is that people kind of go, you know, that Dave guy, he's Christian, but he's cool. So he's, he, he's Christian, but he's normal, you know, and he's, you can have a joke with him, and uh, he does all this cool stuff. He does, you know, he like, uh, he, I wish I hadn't said myself now, I'm sorry to how brilliant I am. Uh, but, you know, let's call him Malcolm. Malcolm, he's so cool, and uh, so he, he, you know, he, he he helps the poor. So he he talks to home guys on the street, and uh, he even prayed for me once. You know, I said I was uh, I was feeling ill, and he offered to pray for me. He's just a cool guy, and um, and we can do all that stuff, but Scripture's clear that the the gospel is offensive sometimes. It's bound to make us enemies. You know, that it's not like uh, it's not like things ended that well for. The apostles, you know, 11 out of the 12 apostles end up getting murdered. And uh, it's, it's pretty clear that the gospel can be offensive sometimes. And we need to just, uh, just as much as we emphasize the stuff people want to hear, we've got to be honest about uh, what Scripture says about the stuff that they don't want to hear. So if someone does, um, so Malcolm here, he, you know, they would say, I just talked to Malcolm and I asked him whether hell's real. And he said, yes, hell's real. He's not such a cool Christian anymore. I asked, um, or he spoke up, you know, we're discussing abortion. He says, uh, he says, it's, he says it's, it, it's murder. Just really uh, not such a cool guy anymore. So I just wanted to send a little warning to us that it's good to be cool, but um, we're not actually called to be cool all the time. Sometimes, uh, in fact, we're, we're called to make enemies. In fact, I've forgotten this, but um, I actually made a slide, how to make enemies for you guys. This is something I knocked up yesterday. I'd forgotten I did it. I did it a bit last minute. How to make enemies. Uh, so first of all, uh, I was going to call it how to, how to lose friends and alienate people. But um, pretty simple stuff, really. So First Peter 4 says, verse 3 and 4 say, um, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passion, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they're surprised when you do not join them uh, in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. So one way to make enemies is to not join others in sin. It doesn't mean you don't have to do all that stuff, but just to not, not get involved in nicking stuff from the office or uh, dodgy practice at work. Um, it could be something as simple as that. And secondly, tell people about Jesus. So Matthew 10, 22 says, um, where's that? Let me just flick to the router. 
and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. So just speaking about Jesus, speaking his name out will, will make you hated. So I'm just going to quickly look at who is my enemy, and we're going to look at um, how do we love them. So uh, I looked at the Greek, what the, the, the enemy, and, and if you look at the word for Greek, it actually translates to uh, mother-in-law in the English language. No, that was a joke. <laughs> Uh, no, so okay, so who is my enemy? Um, let's look at it in the, in the context of this passage. Uh, so it says, uh, first of all, verse 44. Um, actually, the next slide, if we come up. Yeah, who is my enemy? So first of all, it's our persecutors. So Jesus says, those that um, pray for those that persecute you. So it could be someone, basically, that means someone that's out to get you. So it might be a, a kind of an a, a abusive family member, or it might be someone uh, at work that... It's kind of after you because you're Christian. It means uh, basically someone that's kind of got it in for you. Um, verse 45, those who don't know God, because it says, um, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So um, it's drawing the distinction there between those that know God and those that don't. So you might find that uh, those who don't know God, you just kind of, it's not that they're out to get you, but they're out for number they're out for number one. You just sort of get caught in the crossfire. You know, that driver that um, cuts you up or, um, you know, you might be mugged or something like that. You're, it's not that they're out to get you specifically, but they're living for number one and you kind of get caught in it. And uh, lastly, those kind of indifferent to you. What I mean by that is that Jesus then says, um, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And later he says, if you greet only your brothers. So, uh, Jesus draws it right out to, to be as broad as just those you don't, you don't know, and he gives us a way of loving them. And what does it mean to love them? Well, it's not about our feelings. It's about being utterly concerned with them. It's not like, uh, we, it's not like God's expecting us to uh, work up uh, a feeling of love for someone. It's not like if we got mugged and, and, and hit, he'd expect you to kind of go, oh, you know, that, what a, oh, I love it when he does that, when he nicks my wallet and runs off with it, you know. It's not about feelings, it's about uh, this agape love, which means um, just a, a, a determination to do someone good despite what they're like. So it's that kind of love. Um, and I want to look at um, our third story, which is that of Stephen and, and the way that he responds to his enemies. So Stephen, uh, in the book of Acts, he was... Um, He's preaching the gospel, and it's deeply unpopular what he's saying. And said that as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen prayed, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And that is the real nub of loving your enemies. That's what it's about, because Stephen's mindset, even though, and I can't imagine, like, if... You know, being stoned, that is literally, being stoned to death, that's like bricks being thrown at you until you die. That's a pretty gruesome way to die. Now, what if you're, but, but, but Stephen's mind, uh, even though that they're doing that to him, his mind is on he, the people doing it to him, and he cares about them, and it, that is his mindset, his grace towards them. And, it, and it's kind of revealed in this, says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And what that, where that's coming from is that he knows where they're headed. He knows where these people are headed. He knows they're headed for hell because they don't know God. And his heart is so uh, compassionate that even though they're doing this to him, he's saying, God, please, this, this sin that they're doing right now, forgive them for it. I don't want to be held responsible. He knows that, he knows that even though he, 
he knows that he would be in the same position as them if they if it weren't for the grace of God. Um, and my, I want to give you one more example from the civil rights movement. It says, um, one evening during the turbulent weeks when Selma, Alabama was the focal point of civil rights struggle, the large crowd of black and white activists standing outside the Ebenezer Baptist Church was electrified by the sudden arrival of a black funeral home operator from Montgomery. He reported that a group of black students demonstrating near the Capitol just that afternoon had been surrounded by police on horseback, all escaped barred, and cynically commanded to disperse or take the consequences. Then the mounted police waded into the students and beat them at will. Police prevented ambulances from reaching the injured for two hours. Our informant was the driver of one of these ambulances, and he had driven straight to Selma to tell us about it. The crowd outside the church seethed with rage. Cries went up, let's march. Behind us, across the street, stood rank on rank the Alabama state troopers and the local police forces of Sheriff Jim Clark. The situation was explosive. A young black minister stepped to the microphone and said, it's time we sang a song. He opened with the line, do you love Martin King? To which those who knew the song re responded, certainly, Lord. Do you love Martin King? Certainly, Lord. Do you love Martin King? Certainly, 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 Lord. Right through the chain of command of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, he went. The crowd each time echoing, warming to the song. Certainly, 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 Lord. Without warning, he sang out, Do you love Jim Clark, the sheriff? Cert certainly, Lord, came the stunned, halting reply. Do you love Jim Clark? Certainly, Lord, it was stronger this time. Do you love Jim Clark? Now the point had sunk in, as surely as Amos in chapters 1 and 2. Certainly, 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 Lord. Reverend James Bevel then took the mic. We are not just fighting for our rights, he said, but for the good of the whole society. It's not enough to defeat Jim Clark. Do you hear me, Jim? We want you converted. We cannot win by hating our oppressors. We have to love them into changing. That's the nub of it, is that we're so concerned with our enemies that whatever they do to us, we want to win them. All right, I've got three really simple, um, three Ps, how to love. Pray, provide, say hello. It's a, it's a silent P, that last P. I couldn't get the stupid alphabet to kind of work in my favor, so I just thought, oh. Pray. Pray blessings. Uh, what's your greatest blessing in life? So for me, obviously, my greatest blessing is my looks. I've been blessed with amazing looks. And um, you know, God's just seen fit to bless me in that way. And bless Mrs. Mance in that way. So she gets to wake up next to this every day. Can you imagine? Just what a blessing. No. What is our... What, uh, pray blessings on your enemies. What does that mean? It doesn't mean pray for them to have a, a nice car and a swimming pool it means pray that that what is your greatest blessing is knowing christ isn't it so pray blessings let them pray that they would know salvation because why, why is prayer so important it's because if i if you're my enemy um i can act very nice towards you i can i, I can make you think that i love you um i can fool you in that way but if, if i come before god he knows my heart doesn't he 
and that he knows that if I if I try and um, if I, if I pray to him, then 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 uh, it's not just a, he, he he does something in our hearts, doesn't he? As we pray, we we begin to be transformed because we can't fake it with God. We've got to pray for real. Second, provide. Uh, Romans 12 says, if your enemy's hungry, give them something to eat. And it's the same here. God, uh, God provides for his enemies just the same as, as those he loves. He, he reigns on the crops of the just and on the unjust. And third, say hello. It, it, it's in there. It's in the, it's in the passage. And it may, it may seem a little sim- simple-minded, but it says, uh, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And then it says, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Such a simple thing, but I wonder if, for example, you know, if you're in a gang, you know, the whole mindset of being in a gang is, you know, it's us against them, it's us against the world. And what if you something as simple as just saying hello to them might, might, might be God's way of breaking in there. Just to carry on with the passage, it says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Some, what's implicit there is that you are different. You are special. You are unique. Christian isn't like other people. It's not saying uh, you ought to act differently because uh, he's your father in heaven. You're part of him. It's saying that you do act differently. His divine nature of, of the, the heavenly father is in you. Therefore, you do things uh, differently. You stand out. This is what sets us apart, really, from from nice people. There's a lot of nice people in the world, aren't there? Who, um, you know, and they're, they're your neighbours, and they're, they're lovely folks. They say hello to you, and they uh, do good work for charity, and they uh, open the door for you. Um, but I think this one, this is this is the core which sets the Christian apart. I love your enemies. You could, doesn't matter how then how nice they are. There's never going to be. Uh, a logical step for them to love their enemies. But this is the call which really sets the Christian apart. And the final verse, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's not saying don't don't sin. It's not saying never sin because that's that would kind of contradict a lot of other scriptures. For in the next chapter, Jesus commands that we should pray continually, Father, forgive me my trespasses. So what, what it means when it says be perfect, saying be complete, be mature, let your faith be complete. And we're nowhere near perfection until we're ready to love our enemies. And it also, uh, I think there's also a challenge there that it's not something we should just aspire to. It's not something that you kind of hope, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there, Lord. I'm going to, someday I'm going to love my enemies, but it's a call. Now be perfect. We're called to do it now. We're called to love our enemies. And I think these stories give us an example of what it's like. Okay, so to round off, I wanted to um, just talk a bit about application. And you might sort of say, Dave, Dave, you ninny. You've already done application. You've done your three Ps. Um, I know I've done my three Ps, but I just want to say that, um, you know, if you come away from here with uh, kind of with the mindset of I'm going to follow these three Ps, then you know, you've really missed the point. It's not about three Ps. You know, we can very easily, you can very easily follow three Ps and uh, uh, with with that mindset and, and and kind of get about as far as Short Farm Station before you find you you've you've messed it up already and you lose heart. It's not about following three Ps, is it? It's about being delighted in Jesus. It's about being um, thrilled with who He is. And um, 
I just felt that as I was kind of preparing, I, I just felt a real, I, I think it was a God thing and not just a me thing, but I, either way, I think that um, you might be kind of, you might be looking at this this kind of call to um, to love your enemies and, and just feel like, oh, I'm miles away from that. And um, so my, so if, if if you felt like, if you feel like you're coming here today and you're you're kind of a little bit, perhaps going through the motions a little bit, perhaps your heart is, you know, you know you love God, but you're a little bit further from Him than 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 you'd like to be. Then I just want to say that I felt kind of prompted to say that the response to this passage is to is to eat well, is to 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 feed well on God's Word, and to just um, if you're not, you know, if you're finding when you come to scriptures and and it's kind of not really you know, you kind of read a little bit and then you kind of, and you pray a couple of words and then you kind of lose interest a little bit just to say, you know, why not just consume a bit of really good stuff? Like get, get Terry, download Terry Virgo, we're talking about grace or, or John Piper, talking about God's glory and just consume for a little while. Just let that stuff go into you for a bit and let it feed you. And then from there kind of do, do your prayer and your Bible study because, um, I, I just I, I don't know I just felt that I felt that was something that is something that's really helped me recently when I've been struggling and and um I just didn't want to leave you guys with kind of these three p's and uh, and, and lose the fact that God oh, we can't do it without God's mercy we can't do it without him uh, being central we can't do it without being being thrilled with him and once we know him and uh, 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 thrilled with him you'll find that loving your enemies is something that you don't have to think about so much all right. So uh, if the band wants to come up, what we're going to do is we're going to um, spend a bit of time uh, just responding in different ways to this word. Um, you might find that uh, there's, there's things in your life where you have um, really been hurt by enemies, uh, and it's not a case of um, just simply responding and simply uh Okay, I'm just gonna. Right, I've just got to do my three Ps now and, and get on with it. But if if there's been real hurt in your life, and um, I just want to encourage you to uh, take some time over the next few days to uh, talk that through with people, to get pastoral help, to get um, get that chance to kind of uh, just just share it a little bit. Because what you'll find is that if you don't, and if you just say, okay, I'm gonna get on love my enemies now, then these emotions will just pop up weeks and months and years later. So. I didn't want to be unrealistic about that. We're going to spend some time uh, taking bread and wine. Scripture says that um, if you have uh, things between you, uh, between you and others, that kind of unforgiveness or um, resentment, to get that sorted before you take bread and wine. So if you feel hurt, then please... uh, Get right with folks before you take the bread and wine. Make sure that um, you don't do it in an unworthy way. Let's um, let's take some uh, time just to focus on Jesus as we take the bread and wine. Just to think on who He is, what He's done for us. Think upon what He did at the cross. That He was crying out, uh, "Father, forgive them." His love for His enemies, even when He was on the cross. I just want to say to you that if you don't know God that this is your chance to accept that gift of friendship that he's offering to you. That if you don't know him, uh, uh, you are in a place of being an enemy of God, but it doesn't have to be that way. He's offering a gift of eternal life to you. It's utterly free. 
And uh, the way to respond to that is come and take the bread and wine as well. And then afterwards, come and speak to someone, perhaps someone that you came with or uh, someone you've seen up the front. And just uh, find out what it means to, to follow him. What does it mean to be a friend of God? All right, I'm going to pray. Hand over. Father God, we praise you for your goodness to us. I thank you for this word that is so uh, utterly challenging, and yet you know, because you sent your son, he endured these things. Pray that as we um, go away, that you'd hold, uh, that you'd, you'd keep little bits in our hearts, Lord, so that we don't, um, that we don't lose this message, but that we uh, know what it is to, 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 to love our enemies, because we know your love. Uh, and that you loved us when we were your enemies. Thank you, Lord Jesus.